You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. End Zone Infraction. Oh, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Zone 32 podcast. Who are our sponsors? We ain't got that shit. We do this DIY. It's like a regular old hardcore band living in a van, eating Taco Bell, playing dirty-ass cockroach-invested venues. But that's another story for another day. My name is Jake. His name is Drew. His name is Grant. Say what's up. What up, what up? Welcome back. That's right. So it's been a hot minute since we last spoke to y'all. If I remember right, I think we talked about two back-to-back losses in the AFC North. And now, since the Ravens' last victory... They've been on a four-game losing streak where we've seen the likes of Tyler Huntley and Josh Johnson both take time as their starting quarterback because Lamar's been hurt with a bad ankle. <sighs> it's been a very rough season. A whole lot of players on injured reserve. At one point, during the loss to the Cincinnati Bengals, that every single corner who initially made the 53-man roster was out of the game because they were hurt or had COVID. So, Drew, start, I'm going to let you start with that and then continue ranting as to what the fuck happened. Yeah, so I'm going to start with Eric DaCosta. Um, again, everybody loves praising him on Twitter like he's the, you know, God's gift to mankind. But the lack of depth has to fall at his feet. I mean, his job is to build the roster. Um, you know, our, our lack of offensive line depth, specifically at the tackle position, has to fall on him. He had to come into the season knowing that Ronnie Stanley was not 100% and that Alejandro Villanueva was not going to be the answer at right tackle. Um, his response to that was to draft no tackles and to, you know, sign Juwan James, who was maybe going to be back in December. It just came down today that he's not going to play this year. But, you know, that lack of depth has come back to hurt us on the offensive line. And then, you know, you look at the draft failures by UC. He really hasn't hit on a pick after the third round. And even in the third round, he's spotty. He got Duvernay and uh, Matabike. And I think that's really it in the third round. Ben Cleveland looks okay, but again, too soon to tell. Uh, Brandon Stevens, same thing, is you know, kind of too soon to tell with him. So I feel like, you know, that lack of draft, you know, the back end of the draft, like that's where you build your depth from. And the fact that we're relying on guys like Kevon Seymour and that whirly asshole to, you know, cover legitimate wide receivers is hurting the team. And if he hits on some of these later picks, you know, maybe we're in better shape. I don't know. It's tough to, you know, deal with 31 guys being out of a game. Like, I understand that, you know, you can't expect perfection there, but I feel like the lack of depth has to go to EDC. And, you know, just like the lack of big free agent moves from him. I mean, again, we had a guy like Odell on waivers that you could have easily gone out and claimed, you know, bolster the wide receivers. And instead you let him pass and you sign like a guy like Sammy Watkins, who has really done nothing this year. Um, You know, you have James Proche putting up garbage time numbers. Like, it's just... It's you got to do something. You have Lamar Jackson. You have potentially the best quarterback of this generation. Like build around him, win some games, get some better depth. Um, you know, after that, like I don't know if you blame Harbaugh. I don't know if you blame EDC. I don't know if you blame Biscotti for not stepping in. But like, why is Greg Roman still employed? Um, the last two games have been a fucking train wreck from Greg Roman. And you know, people will say that he called a better game against Green Bay, but his clutch play calling was fucking atrocious that game. That two-point conversion play at the end to win it was fucking terrible. Like, why are you cutting off half the field? Why do you have our backup quarterback rolling off to the right, you know, not looking at Hollywood coming across the middle because you have his eyes to the right half of the field? Like, that's a fucking stupid play call. 
I don't know why they went for it on that fourth and sixth on their own 29-yard line that ended up giving Green Bay what ended up being the game-winning field goal. But that play call was fucking atrocious, too. Um, and then you, you know, move to the Bengals game. Like, after the first drive, everything was a fucking train wreck. You hit Bateman, you know, four times on the first drive. You know, you get him his first touchdown. And then Bateman's a no-show for the rest of the game because you don't target him for the rest of the game. It wasn't that he wasn't on the field. He, um, hold on, I have it here. Uh, he, he ran, like, 50 routes that game. You target him five times. Like, you know, he's your number one pick. Like, again, you pick this guy early because he's good at football. Like, fucking use him. And I think that that's got to go on Roman and Harbaugh there, too. Again, with Harbaugh, like, why is Ben Cleveland not your starting left guard the second he came off of IR? Um, you know, the offensive line has actually not been terrible the last two games. And I think that's because Ben Powers is out of the game. You know, he, he cut his foot off. Don't let him back on the field. Fucking send him home. I don't, I don't know what it is. But, you know, why, why do you not start Ben Cleveland? Like, why do you not, you know, use these guys that you draft? And, you know, I sit here in trash EDC for his draft failures. But maybe, you know, you play some of these younger guys and they're better than what we have. Um, I, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Wink, though. You know, doing what he's done the last couple of games, limiting guys with people like Kevon Seymour, playing, you know, legitimate snaps at corner is great. Um, I think that he had some flaws in his game plans in terms of, you know, leaving guys like Robert Jackson on an island with Devontae Adams. But, you know, you, you basically boxed Devontae Adams that whole game, um, you know, since he was a train wreck, Burrow threw for 525 yards. We also had, like, Tony Jefferson looking like our best defensive back that game, so I don't know if you can really, uh, you know, blame Wink that much for that. Um, and then my next ranting point here is just our fucking loser fans talking about two moral victories, you know, hyping up the fact that we almost beat the Green Bay Packers and that we didn't get blown off the field by the Cincinnati Bengals. And they're talking about, you know, we should sit Lamar the last two games, like, let's not try to win. We're literally in the division race still. Since he loses one game and the door's wide open for us again, you know, you win the last two games and you're probably going to sneak into the seventh seed, maybe the sixth seed. Like, win the fucking games. Like, let's stop with the loser shit. Let's stop with this whole, we have 31 guys on IR and oh my God, you know, everything's against us. Like, shut the fuck up and win. You know, play Lamar Jackson, win the next two games. It's just, watching this team has been frustrating this year because even with all the injuries, we were in a great position to win the division. They've lost four in a row. They've kind of squandered that. But I don't know. Like, pull it together. you got two games left. Fucking buckle down, win, and stop with the stupid play calling. You know, stop with the stupid personnel decisions. And, like, let's win some games here. You're 1,000% right about lack of tackle depth, the lack of offensive line depth. Um, it's kind of funny, like, thinking about every corner who went down. And Sean Wade wasn't good. But I do kind of wonder, okay, are you, is he – the exact same level of shit as the DBs are trotting out there. Because, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I didn't disagree with him trading him to New England because he hasn't seen a shit. He's been inactive every week, if I remember right, because he's not very good, and New England has plenty of good corners who are not hurt. Corner depth, I can't get on him on. Because, I mean, shit, you addressed it as best you, you – and I mean, as best you could. You had a good room. And then everybody, you can get on him for the people he called off the street. Like, Marcus Peters went down, shit, pretty sure, I think it was one of the the hidden bonus episodes that will never get released that Grant and I were on. Maybe you were on, too. You might have been on. We were talking about Richard. Yeah, they were talking about the three of us were all climbers. Like, dude, go make a call. Like, he's not the same dude he was in Seattle. Maybe he has issues in the scheme, but at the same time. Got ball skills, can play outside. Really just need another box. Really just 
being another body who can make plays back there. But then he goes to then he goes to Tampa Bay and he's in Spotty over there. But at the same time, I mean, I, I mean, Spotty back- Spotty is better than you know getting burnt every play like Seymour or Jackson or Worley. Yeah, Daryl Worley, the former. He was one of the Panthers. I remember him. He was one of the Panthers corners that they drafted. I think after they let Josh Norman go to Washington, they drafted him and they drafted um, what's his face, James Bradbury, and the three of them along with the other with their nickel corner. I think Benny Ben Wickery. I think they gave what twelve catches for three hundred yards against Julio Jones. He just fucking lit him up, and then Ben yeah. Wickery gets cut, and then Daryl Worley just goes off and. Decides to be a nomad and a, dr- and a dreaming corner. Just whoever will pay him, he'll just go ahead and not cover very well. Yeah, he's been with the Panthers, the Raiders, and Lord knows who else. But he's he's a journeyman in the wrong sense, like sense of the word. Like if you're in a yeah, trade, he's a journeyman because he's not because he's not good. Like you know, and that's fine. Like I get it. You got you, you don't ex- go into the year expecting Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters to go down. Um, you went into the year expecting Tavon. The fact that Tavon Young is our only healthy corner right now is kind of shocking. Yeah, where the fuck's Jimmy Smith been? Like, I get it. You had a kid. You got COVID. Like, fucking figure it out, pal. Like, you know, he brought you back to play, and he really hasn't played this year. I feel like he could make a difference. I mean, he's again, he's better than Robert Jackson, and he's better than Kevon Seymour. So, like, fucking suit up and figure it out. Stop fucking, you know, having kids. Stop getting sick. Like, just play the game. Stop getting hurt. Like he's been hurt, you know, the last eight years. Like let's let's figure it out. This is the time to, you know, like I said, buckle down and win games. Like we need veterans to come through. We need, you know, the fact that we're relying on like Chuck Clark and you know Tony Jefferson to man the safety position, and we have a converted running back playing free safety. Like just somebody's got to step up and figure it out on the defense. And you know, it, it sucks that it's got to fall on the defense, but I have no faith in Greg Roman. So you know, it really has to go with our defense here. And Wink has done as good of a job as he can. Again, no moral victories. Like, it is what it is. Like, we got fucking beat the shit out of by Joe Burrow. But I don't know. You, you got to do something next week to Matthew Stafford. He makes dumb throws. He's shown that he can throw the game away, you know, with the best one. Maybe it wasn't really Detroit's fault. Maybe it was Matthew Stafford the whole time. But, like, let's capitalize. Let's catch turnovers. You know, let's catch interceptions that hit us in the chest. And fucking make some plays, win some games. Not to mention, it's a West Coast team traveling eastward that has to play at ten o'clock in the morning. Generally, those don't typically fare well for West Coast teams, and sometimes vice versa for the East Coast team traveling westward playing at one in the afternoon. But typically, it's the West traveling east. Because I mean, there's a streak of the Raiders just never winning in the Eastern Standard Time Zone, no matter who they played, whether it was the Giants on their back, Jets. Didn't matter. Raiders are going to lose. Chargers, too. But anyway, Mr. Grant, we have yet to let you speak. Speak some word. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree with pretty much most of what Drew said. I mean, a lot of it's going to come down to the, you know, with with everybody kind of saying these things, like the moral victories. I can't stand the moral victories. Yeah, we all have eyes and we are fans, so we understand hey, man, this guy's really making some plays. That's something to be positive about. But at the same time, you don't substitute that for, you know, not getting a win. That's about the dumbest thing you could do. I mean, the, the the purpose of the game is to win the game. You want to win the game. Like, it, it's, it blows my mind how it's like, oh, it's okay. You know, so-and-so had five catches. No, we lost the fucking game. Like, I get it. We are hurt. Everybody knows we're hurt. Everybody knows. But you can't have the next man up mentality with just the first stringers. 
So you can't sit here and say, oh, it's next man up when a, when a uh, first stringer goes down, but then when second, third, oh, no, it doesn't count. We've already gotten past that. No, next man up is next man up. These guys are getting paid. I get some of the guys had the short end of the stick, like Josh Johnson. I mean, he bought out. He came out and impressed the shit out of me because he came off the street and had six days in a playbook or what, seven days in a playbook, something like that, and then he came in and did his thing. But they simplified the playbook for him. I mean, that's what sometimes I think this whole Lamar thing is, is like, you know, Lamar's a very talented passer. He's a very talented player. Utilize his speed with utilizing his decision-making. Like, the reason he's so good at read options is because the game slows down for him. And those short intermediate passes that they were running with Josh Johnson, with Huntley, like that's what you need to do with Lamar. That same game plan should be that up-tempo, get the ball out, let's move it, let's let our playmakers make plays. Not one person's bringing down Rashad Bateman. Get him the ball quick, let him get a quick seven. Boom, you got second and three. You know, do a little screen pass to Mark Andrews for a little quick out. Okay, you got five, four yards on that. Okay, now you have second and six, second and five. It's way better than second and 13, getting a holding call second or, or first and 20. Like, that's the stuff that we're used to, and that's happening. Like, this has been one of the more undisciplined teams I've seen. Now, I don't know if it's because of the inexperience or what we have going on, but this has been one of the more undisciplined teams that I've seen in a long time. Um, we're definitely cursed. You know, this whole COVID thing and with the injuries thing, we are 1,000% cursed, but we still got to win. I mean, we lost, what, three three games by combined four points? So, you know, that's terrible. That At some point, that comes down to coaching. When you lose that many games, that close comes down to coaching. Now, yes, we did go for two twice, which I agree with both three of times. them. I'm just thinking about the um, the Packers game and the to end it. Oh, but. Yeah. But, I mean, you go for two to end it, and, you know, you have two situations. And, you know, the first one play call was there against the Steelers. That was The play call was there. That was a touchdown, game winner, boom, see you later. We're walking off. That game changes. And then we're still in contention for the division. Then you have the game, the play against the Packers. And like you said, that was one of the dumbest fucking play calls. You're eliminating half the field. You're only having one guy run a route who's the guy that's been targeted the entire fucking game. Like, they're not going to bracket him. Like, everybody knows that. I mean, yeah, he probably could have ran it in. But, like you said, you know, the play design wasn't for him. to. He's not equipped enough to look backside on that. He's got his first read. He's going to his read. And he's not looking at that second, third read with Hollywood crossing wide open on the backside. But did they, you know, show, the huddle? Huh? Did they show the huddle? Did they show the huddle after the timeout on television? So I was at that game. Um, they, you know, lined up to go for two. And then I think Green Bay called the timeout. And then Harbaugh called over Huntley and Mark Andrews. And then they came out in a completely different formation. Like, everybody in the fucking stadium knew that they were going to throw that to Mark Andrews. He talked to Andrews. Yeah. And, you know, that's fine. Andrews had a great game. Like, Andrews balled yeah. out that game. But, he did. you know, you can't telegraph your play call like that. You know, you, you got to be a little bit smarter about that. And I don't know if that's Harbaugh. I don't know if that's Roman. Like, I, I don't know who decided that it was a good idea to say – Hey Packers, we're gonna to try to throw the ball to Mark Andrews here, but like, don't fucking do that. Like, you know, yeah. give the guy a chance. Yeah, and I mean, and then you know, like you said too, with the whole draft pick thing. I mean, it's pointless to try to lose out now or to bench oh. Lamar or whatever it is. We are in contention for the playoffs. This whole bench Lamar and save him thing is fucking stupid. Like, if you want to win, put your best players out to have a chance to win the game. Now, if he absolutely can't go, I get it. Let's win this game and try to go for next week. But at the end of the day, if he's if he's on the field, he's practicing and all that, he needs to be playing in the game. And, you know, this whole sit Lamar thing, if we lose out, 
we're, we might see a three to four pick difference than if we make the playoffs. And, you know, that's depending if we even win a playoff game or advance to the divisional or whatever. But, you know, it's not it's not out of the question that we make the playoffs. I mean, like, it, Bengals have a – I mean, they have, what, Browns and uh, Chiefs left? They can yeah. lose both. I mean, and they, they can, can lose both those games. I mean, I hope the Chiefs put it on them. Like, I've never been a bigger Chiefs fan in my life. These Bengals fans are something else, man. But – um. Like that, that's it. I mean, we win this game against LA, and then I think we win it against Pittsburgh. We win this game against LA this coming weekend. It's a whole different ball game, and we're gonna make the playoffs. And, and it's but it's getting to that game. And yes, we're beat up. Their defense is their defensive strengths is gonna destroy us. They're gonna give us problems. So Roman's gonna have to have a game plan because the way that they play their defensive scheme and as aggressive as their corners are, they're gonna be bringing house. Every fucking time. So they need to figure it out. Okay. I mean, and realistically what it gets down to, too, with Lamar versus Huntley, like, you know, what percent of a quarterback is Huntley to Lamar? Like, if Lamar is 50% healthy, I still think he's a better quarterback than Huntley. So you, you have to play Lamar at that point. If Lamar can walk, he has to be your starting quarterback because that's what gives you the best chance to win. And, you know, Ramsey is a very good corner, but, you know, just don't throw the ball to Ramsey. That's fine. You know, get the ball up for Aaron Donald. Mauls your fucking center. Like get the they're going to match him on Bateman, probably. They're going to have him yeah. on Bateman, and they're probably going to have him bracket over Andrews. Well, I mean, it's not like we throw the ball to Bateman anyway when he's open, so that's fine. You know, you're, taking, you're taking a, he ate, yeah. That first drive against Cincy, he ate. They couldn't guard yeah. him. And then you it don't fucking throw to him the rest of the yeah. fucking game. I swear to God, Greg Roman was like, oh, shit, this worked too well. Like, I got to not yeah. do that anymore. It's like, why? Like, what the fuck are you doing? And then you got these dick riders on Twitter talking about Proche, that fucking YouTube kid that was tweeting me back that I called him like a purple glasses cocksucker or something like that. You know, it was fucking – he's like, he's like, yeah, we had 31 guys on IR, but here are some positives of the game. And number two was James Proche had seven catches for 70 yards. Yeah, those were all on Eli Apple while we're down 20 fucking points. Like, what the fuck does that do for us? You know, Tylen Wallace had a great third down catch. But again, we're down 20 fucking points. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, enough with the garbage time stat and praise for doing the bare minimum. I would like to see like, Tyler get more get targets, though. I think he's win. got that, like, you know, edge let's, to let's, him. Yeah. I like his game a lot. He's got that, like, gritty yeah. edge where we need those physical extra yards. If anybody's getting the snaps, I still feel like he should be getting them over Proche. Yeah, and that's, yeah. you know, but I agree. you got to give him real snaps, none of this garbage time shit. Like, enough with the, enough with the boost in the confidence and garbage time. Like, let's fucking I give mean, him a I mean, he was arguably a top five wide receiver in this really strong wide receiver class this year. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he, he very well could have been. And, you know, you have him on the roster. Like, everybody's talking about this yeah. is a great steal by EDC. So, let's fucking use him. Like, this is like a Jordan, Jordan Lastly all over again. You know, these fucking camp hype jobs that everybody talks about are going to be, you know, the steal of the draft. It's like our, our it's like it's like Roman's team. play calls don't benefit the strengths of what we have on offense. Like it, like when you talked about his spacing, we were talking earlier about his spacing. Like there is no spacing. Like like you, every single one of his route designs, yeah. there's clutter, and it makes it difficult on your quarterback, especially when a lot of times they're dropping in zones. Because if they're not running zero on them, they're running, they're dropping zones because they're doing a cover two because they're trying to alleviate. They know he wants to either run the corner routes or the or the skinny posts or the seams to one of his inside receivers or Andrews. He doesn't want to take it too much on the inside. And that's why we need to get the ball out quicker in those short and intermediate routes. But it, it's it, you're 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 handicapping your entire team with their play calling, and I just don't understand. And like you said, I mean Harbaugh's always been like too loyal to a sense to his coordinators, like. 
the, the leash goes too long sometimes. And there has to be a point where somebody has to be held accountable. It can't be these press conferences where, oh, we just didn't play well enough or we didn't do this or we didn't do that. No, you at some point be accountable. It's your fucking fault at the end of the day. So, you know, if you're taking up for your coordinator, you're responsible for him at that point. I actually don't blame Harbaugh for that. So Harbaugh has proven, you know, he's got a track record of yeah. hiring inept offensive coordinators. Like there's no secret to that. Like he doesn't know what he's doing with that. So it almost has to go on the general manager at that point of knowing that Harbaugh's always going to have his guys back. So stop giving him the ring. Stop giving him the ability to hire guys. Stop giving him the ability to, you know, keep somebody like Greg Roman on staff. Like we kept Marty Morningwig for a whole fucking year. That guy is just, just as bad as Greg long. Roman. We had Mark Trestman for a whole year. Yeah. Cam Cameron, I, I you know, we, we got lucky and fired Cam Cameron. And well, fans Bumble damn near had to but, riot to you know, get Cameron out Gary of there. Kubiak. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know why fans are not fucking riding outside of EDC. Because Lamar makes his job look better. Like, uh, if he didn't have Lamar, he'd be a complete fucking joke. Yeah, we'd probably be a two-win team. Yeah, and, you know, so we haven't had Lamar, and everybody hypes up how our backups have done. We've lost those games. So, like, yeah, our backups have put up, you know, decent stat lines and losses. Like, that doesn't matter. You know, again, this is like the fantasy football era of looking at players' stat lines, being like, oh, this guy is good. Like, wins are the only stat that matters. So let's look at what Greg Roman has done, you know, losing four in a row, having an eight and three team, and we're now eight and seven fighting for a playoff berth. Like, we're in the driver's seat. We're the one seed in the AFC. And now we, you know, might sneak into a seven seed if we win the last two games. Like, let's get rid of the offensive corner, or let's sit him down and say, stop calling stupid fucking plays. There's a picture of him from the playoff game in Buffalo last year where he is looking at eight laminated play sheets and looks completely lost with a fucking mask on over his face. And it's like you have eight play sheets in front of you and you call the same four plays over and over again. And they don't work, but you continue to call them. Like, why is this guy still here? Like, he, he is clearly hampering the team. And if that's got to be Harbaugh who steps up and makes that move to move on from him, fine. If that's got to be DaCosta, fine. If that's got to be Biscotti coming up from Florida and saying, fire this fucking asshole or I'm firing yeah. all of you. Like somebody's got to. Well, do and that. a lot of the a lot of the quote unquote fans that are on this moral victory train are the participation trophy generation. So it's like can't really expect too yep. much out of them. That's just what they grew up with. You know, everybody wins something. So like it, it's it's definitely a cross line there. But you know, I I was curious of what they were talking about on the sideline. You don't see DeCosta on the sideline too much. Um, I, I I think people were looking way too into it, but he didn't look happy. Well, so from what I've read is that he came down. Um, you can't use cell phones on the sideline, obviously, and that he came down to say that the Chargers were losing. Um, that's what the report is. I have no idea if that's true. And so that he was basically saying, like, you know, you can pull, like, a Tavon Young out of the game and save him for next week and things like that, kind of telling John, like, you know, there, there's no need to try to, you know, push this for a crazy comeback. Like, you know, maybe don't injure anybody. But I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what the rumors on the internet are saying. Yeah, he didn't look happy like he was saying, hey, Chargers are losing. He looked like... Yeah, I don't know. It's not. Uh, he probably he probably said Chargers. He probably said Chargers are bail, or the Texans bailed your ass out. So fucking do something yeah. next week. Yeah, I mean it's 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 some uh, we've it's been a very stress like you said it's been a very stressful season. Um, but there's just so much that's left on the table, and I think that's the most frustrating part. I mean, we're looking at the Dolphins have won seven games in a row with fucking Tua under center. Yeah, like this is clearly an AFC that is up for grabs. Yeah, you know, you beat the Chiefs earlier in the year. Like, there's really nobody here that you can't beat in a one-on-one matchup in, you know, any given Sunday. Just get in the fucking playoffs and, you know, make it work. Like, you just got to get there. And, you know, we've had injuries, whatever, missing our running backs, missing our corners, that's fine. 
you still have the talent there to win. You have, if you have Lamar Jackson under center, you can still win a Super Bowl. Why did they stop giving Devontae Freeman the ball? He re- he was running really well on early downs. They completely abandoned well, him the past two games. That's that's what Roman does though. Is he gets down two scores and then he forgets how to run the ball. And it's like you know sometimes you got to take those easy five or six yards that you can pick up on a carry to you know get yourself to midfield to get yourself in the field goal range to get those points on the board. Should they'll be up games and we'll get up on the run game. Like oh nope, it's not a big enough lead. Fuck it, man, sling it, Just throw it. Fuck the run game. They'll do that shit in close games. I like when he runs the same play back to back if it does well the first time. Sure, he'll do that yeah. even if it doesn't work well. Like go back to the two point conversion against the Browns. It wasn't exactly the same play, but it was a similar kind of idea. Roll Tyler Huntley out to the right, go back, throw across your body to hit Mark Andrews in the middle, and then he gets picked off in the end zone for the failed two point conversion. And fast forward a week later, gonna decide to roll Tyler Huntley out to the right. Have Mark Andrews line up out wide and just try to have him box out fucking Eric Stokes when you see Darnell Savage just booking it over there. Be like, nah, he's got to get doubled. No one else is a threat. So yeah, you should even he's if the only person that ran a route. He's the only person that ran a route on that side. That, that's that's the thing. One Greg, guy ran a route on that side. Greg Roman will do some shit just because he thinks it's cool. He's like, ah, oh, it didn't work this time. It, Last time, it worked this time. God dang it. No matter how stupid or asinine the play design is, it'll work, bucko. Yeah. He needs to simplify his shit because he confuses himself. Oh, yeah, he does. I mean, should look at the the nice little script he developed for Josh Johnson, the nice little script he developed for Tyler Huntley. He got he, It's not even necessarily all that complicated. He gave some easy throws, easy reads to make. You see your star, like you alluded to earlier, you see your star quarterback struggling, give him some easy threes, easy, easy throws to make so he can rebuild his confidence a little bit and start feeling himself and start fucking slinging and deal, wheeling and dealing behind center. Yeah. Yeah. And Lamar needs to start taking what teams give him, too. It's not He's not completely innocent. Yeah, of course. No, I mean, he, he's, he's held on to the ball too long. He's looking for that deep shot too much, and that's fine. He's trying to do too much with not enough, but, like, Hey, Greg Roman has been so bad, I forgot to shit on Hollywood in the beginning for fucking giving up on that game. Like, that fucking screenplay at the end of halftime, he runs out of bounds. I mean, the whole third and fourth quarter, like, he's giving up on balls, not fighting for extra yards. Like, you mean, get him you mean off the, the field. You, know? you speak of the Mark-ass trick with a Q? Yeah, that fucking midget. Like, back to that. Fucking nah. He hasn't even... Yeah, he, yeah, fuck that. I ain't giving him his name. Not giving him his nickname, not giving him his name. He's a Mark-ass trick. Yeah, he really, I mean, that fucking running out of bounds on that last play at halftime, like, summed him up perfectly. You know, fucking put your body on the line, score some fucking points for the team. You want to, you know, bitch and moan about how Greg Roman doesn't use you. When you do get the ball, do something. The Chiefs are going to beat Kansas City, are going to beat Cincinnati this week. Anytime Cincinnati gets hyped up by the media because they're feeling themselves and, oh, look, they beat their the big brother in the division. They did it against, happened against Pittsburgh. Having the first game against us, and they want to lose them to the Jets and Mike White, then all of a sudden they're feeling themselves. They get all right, we're we're good, we're gonna do this shit, man. And then they wind up getting embarrassed, or they lose a close one. They're gonna lose to Kansas City, and Cleveland's a bad matchup for them. They're not gonna be able to stop Nick Chubb. This, and they didn't this, even beat, they didn't even beat up the big brother. They beat up the big brother's girlfriend. Man, we had everybody out. They they beat up yeah. the big they beat up the big brother's replacement right quick. They're like, oh. Big Brother's out. We're going to go ahead and call over the tomato can who hasn't been playing for a long while. So, so like I said, they're feeling themselves, and anytime they get any kind of hype, 
they're still a really young team with a really young coach. They're not going to follow through. Sign your honor. They're going to lose the division. They're going to lose the division. I don't know who's going to win it. I ain't going that far. But they're going to lose the last two games. They're going to lose to Cleveland as well. Be we win the division if they do that. But we, I mean, we got to handle our business, but still. Yeah. That, you should I'm never have to rely on other teams to do your dirty work. No, you shouldn't. But that's the reality of the situation right now. But even, and I'm not even saying that because I hope it happens. Cincinnati, that's what's going to happen in Cincinnati. First off, your fan base is based out of Kentucky, where they eat chili spaghetti and they have sex with their cousins and raise inbred babies. I'm just saying. They're, there's the, they are what they are. Dirtbag. That's why I can't get mad at them for carrying on about winning. Like, you know, I I realize that I'm tweeting somebody whose, you know, parents are first cousins and they think that Chef Boyardee is fucking good food. Like, I I don't know. I mean, let let them talk. Like, it's fine. You know, Joe Burrow put up 525 yards on a fucking practice squad secondary. Like, congratulations. Now go win something that counts. Exactly. I'm just saying. I'm I'm expecting a major letdown this week and then next week when they play Cleveland. They're like, all right, let's get back to it. And they're gonna have to stop Nick Chubb. Well, and especially if Cleveland Bengals lose out and don't make and don't win the division, every Bengals fan better turn off their notifications. The Bengals team page should turn off their notifications because they are gonna get roasted. Yeah. Oh, no question they will. But well, so I'm pretty sure if the Browns win this week and then beat Cincinnati the next week, they're in the playoffs. So I mean, if the Browns win this week, that's you know even more motivation for them to fuck up Cincinnati week 18. Like, they'll need the yeah. to lose because they're both at seven wins. They'll need one it's of those. In Cincinnati, too, so that's a perfect place for them to collapse is home. Yeah. Yep. Oh, definitely. So. Paul Allen Stadium is going to be a bloodbath, hopefully. On the question, right off of the river and everything with their little party boats or whatever, and eating their spaghetti. They're called pontoons. Oh, they're called pontoons. Okay. I done learned something new today. I went on one of those. I called it a party boat because I didn't know what the hell it was. Cause I, don't I know hope they all fucking sink. That's what it is. But, yeah. Let's beat the Rams this week. It ain't going to be easy. But, yeah. You yeah, I, I don't really think it's that hard. I mean, you've got all these guys coming back from the COVID list. I mean, we've basically gotten everybody meaningful back from the COVID list. If yeah. you get Lamar back, like, these guys should all be motivated to win. I can't imagine that they want to go home and not be in the playoffs. After starting eight and three, you know, they, I, they, I mean, their goal is to. I know that the fans are big fans of moral victories. I don't think the players are. None of them no. seem too happy with how things have gone. So, Not you know, moral victory shouldn't be a word or a phrase or a thing that anybody uses. Not unless you're a middling franchise. If you're the well, Jackson Jaguars, you consider a moral victory, especially the state of affairs you are now. It's yeah. a far from where you were in the '90s. It's a far cry when you from where you were a few years ago with the one random shining moment of losing the AFC championship game to the Patriots. Moral victories are applicable for you. Same thing with the Texans, even the Titans, to be honest, because yeah, they're a pretty good team and you might consider them playoff contenders, but overall the entirety of their existence as a franchise, mediocre at best, especially under the Jeff. Well, and that's the thing too, you know, is like with a lot of these fans, old moral victory thing with all these fans and they're like trying to be all this, you know, this positive Hatties running around everywhere and try to kiss ass. Like, if they think the players think that way, then they're stupid. Like, flat-out stupid. As a competitor, the last thing you want to you want is a moral victory. Like, you always think about, okay, I could have done this better on this play, or I could have changed this up, or maybe we should have executed this a certain way. But you're not going to sit there and be like, oh, man, but my dog over there, 
Yeah, he had five catches for 84 yards. Yeah, man. Oh, my my daughter there had two catches for 20 yards and a touch. Like, no, they don't fucking care about that. Like, they don't care how many sacks you got if you lose. They don't care about any of that. And and that's the thing that's the most annoying, too, is, like, this ass-kissing that goes on, on on social media. It's like, dude, take your tongue out of the butthole and just fucking be a fan. Like, it's okay to be to discredit something. It's okay to be critical. Like, this whole participation shit's really fucking annoying. Well, it's this fucking clout-chasing nonsense. The closest you'll ever get to a player is, all right, we took the chance down to the wire. We lost. That sucks. But we know what to do to correct that next time. They're not that damn good. Let's whoop the ass next next chance we get. Plain and simple. I mean, you can go back to the Patriots in 2001 with the Rams. You can go back to shooting. You can go back to various different examples. Think of Kansas City. You can think of just and like a who's who of teams. Just, oh, this is the benchmark. All right, we're not far. Yeah, we fucked up and we beat ourselves. We'll correct that next time. And that's more motivation than a moral victory. You know, that's more of, uh, okay, we were right there. Like, we got to fucking finish the deal. Exactly. Precisely. But anywho, before we get out of here, the best color commentator that I can recall through my 31 years of life has passed away. John Madden, the man behind Madden, who was on the cover of Madden 89 through Madden 2000, former head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Never in Vegas, never in L.A., but he was there through the AFL as an assistant coach. He actually he he took over for Al Davis once Al Davis became AFL commissioner and then focused on owning the Raiders. He retired with the winningest, with the best win percentage in NFL history, if I remember right, and winner of the 1976 Super Bowl when they beat the shit out of the Vikings with Gene Upshaw, Jim Otto, the original double zero, the realest gangsta in all of football. There's been no other double zero since then. And that's that's some real shit with Jim Otto. And you got Art Shell made Jim Marshall not have a single tackle in the entire game. Erased the Iron Man, who started for 20 straight years at defensive end, never missed a game. Shut him out completely. Alan Page got shut out by Gene Upshaw. R.I.P. John Madden. I'll remember you was Summer All in Madden because it was the perfect blend of guy drawing dicks. For plays with a little dick and balls and everything, trying to ex- trying to explain things to the layman in football, and then Pat Summerall summing it up with, "Yep, all right," and then drinking a little more, getting slosh as the game progresses and getting progressively more drunk. Just Randy Marsh gone, touchdown. The the least enthused human being in the world, but it was the perfect counterbalance to John Madden's overly enthused ways. Perfect. It was a match made in heaven with broadcasting. I'll ask y'all to whoever wants to go first. Favorite Madden moment? Jesus, uh, there's way too many. I mean, he is like the reason why you know former players going to the booth now is John Madden. I mean, he is clearly the motivation of you know John Gruden for all those years on Monday Night Football was basically just a knockoff John Madden. Um, I mean, the video games completely changed football in terms of, you know, drawing in outside interest. You probably drew in kids who never played football in their life, but they loved the video game, so they'd actually watch the game. I, I mean, he, he really made football what it is today. I don't even think you can – I don't think it's fair to him to just pick one singular moment for him. I mean, he had so many great, you know, calls, great moments as a coach, just the video game franchise in general. I mean, he is a true icon. He is why football is what it is today. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, he's from the voice to the persona to the humility, like he exemplified everything that it was and is to like be a professional, like 
whether it was, you know, the teams that he – and you got to think about some of the teams that he was the head coach of. You know, those Raider teams were attitude. You know, he was sitting there manning all these guys in the locker room. That wasn't an easy group of men to, like, take control of, but they respected him. He earned that respect, and he transpired from how successful he was as a coach into the booth, which is something that was incredible to watch. My favorite moment was probably in Little Giants, you know, making that little appearance, that appearance in Little Giants. He's the reason the annexation of Puerto Rico happened. He's the reason they won the game. So it is what it is. Rest in peace, John Madden. Most definitely. One of these days, I'm going to have to look into purchasing a turducken just to experience your joy of having a turducken. And, of course, you think of the all-Madden teams of his his, in his opinion, the best players of each position for that team, like it meant it meant something to you. It meant something a little more to get the shout out from John Madden than from a fucking sports writer like Paul Zimmerman or Peter King or some shit. I mean, Madden played the game. He, he coached the game. He called the game. He's maybe he's one. Of, he's one of the most iconic play like people in football history. Period. Like you think of it. You think the NFL on Fox back in the day or if you're in the 80s, the NFL on CBS, you think of John Madden with him in Summerall. And early on, he didn't start off with Summerall. I think he started with Vince Scully or some shit, if I yeah. remember right. But yeah, RIP to a legend. Uh, rest in peace to the man, the myth, the legend. The autumn wind is a Raider. And I'm not a damn Raiders fan, but. Yeah. And the thing, too, is, is like if somebody says name somebody that associated with the NFL, John Madden's got to be one of the first names that comes to your mind, period. One of the most iconic football yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, football is not what it is without him. Like, uh, that's the, really the only thing you can say about him is he is just the booth, the coaching, the video game. Like, it's just he, he is the godfather of modern football. Yeah, without a doubt. Getting the coach players like Jack Tatum. And then, of course, he had, what's his face? Um, Ted Hendricks, the Mad Stork, um, Kenny Stabler, Fremel Litnikoff with the Stick'em. But you didn't necessarily need the Stick'em, but he ain't, if yeah. you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's the Raiders' way. Raider rule number one, cheating is encouraged. It's one of those things. It's very charming. But anywho, I think it's going to do it for us for this episode. We will be back at a later date to discuss this game and anything else that transpires. But in the meantime... Oh! See ya! Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, The Infamous Drew. Zone, Zone 32.